The following podcast contains coarse language and adult themes. This week on the show, the October Fright Fest continues as we get down and daunting with a little homegrown haunting. Prepare thyself for the horrors within Mike Flanagan's The Haunting of Hill House. I'm Riggs. I'm Eddie. And this is the Film Addicts Podcast. Hey folks and welcome back to the Filmmatics Podcast. I'm here with Addy. How you doing, mate? I'm doing good. I'm barely alive, but I'm doing good. You're barely alive? Well, that's alright. It's the perfect time to be half a ghost um, when we're talking about this show. Um, so yeah, it's The Haunting of Hill House from... When When did it come out? 2018. 2018. Netflix. Mike Flanagan again. Good old Flanny. Um, which is a type of shirt that people wear in Australia a lot of the time. Well, Flanny, um, and uh, very excited to be talking about it. But before we get into it and all of our other segments, how are you? What's been going on? I've been okay. Um, I said the last time, or a few weeks ago, I told you that I was going to watch the Dungeons Dragons movie a lot. Like, yeah, hang on year. a second. Let's just let's just wait on one minute, one little second here, everybody. I don't know if you all follow Addy on Letterboxd which is the sort of uh, movie review social media. It's like, it's like cool Facebook. It's not, it's just, it's just for movie reviews and you can log stuff and whatever. But I have been on there pretty consistently because that's where I log movies. And every time I go on there, Addy has watched Dungeons and Dragons among thieves among us, who, who people among thieves, honor among men, whatever the fuck it's called. Honor among thieves, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Dragons with tits. Um, <laughs> And he's been on there logging it day after day. And and you've been watching it sometimes once, sometimes twice a day. And currently on the 19th of October, and you've been doing this since the 1st of October, you're up to 18 screenings. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, totally 18 screenings. Shart. That's how excited I was. I actually hit my computer with my hand. What is going on with this? I need to know. Because you said it to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, that sounds normal. And now that you're doing it, it seems outrageous. I love it. This is why I didn't log the whole 199 times I watch Endgame. That's fine. I'm sure someone has. What what's what, what spurred this on? Like, I don't understand. I don't know. I just wanted something to consume. It's just been on in the background for a lot of things. I have yeah. I've been writing a lot for, for like, my D&D world. And it's just been, like... It's good to be in the like be part of a world while also being a part of your world at the same time. That makes no sense. No, that makes perfect sense. Makes absolute perfect sense. Um, and 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 yeah, I do that too when I you put on something. You know, it's a really good one for that. Like when I'm working on admin shit for work, or I'm cleaning my tech. You know, I'm cleaning my cameras or my lenses or whatever. Is um, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Because it's so long and you know all the beats. Um, you can just sort of, you know, drop in occasionally. Oh, there's Batman. And then back to whatever you're doing. So, that's a good one. Um, well, wonderful. That's 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 crazy. Um, and, 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 and a massive attempt. Um, how is the campaign and everything going? Is there something new starting? Or? Uh, I still have one campaign running, but I don't know how we... Like, that's the, 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 the campaign that I'm running at the moment is a, is a long one. Like it has it has beats from 
different campaigns that I've that I've played played in, and different things that I've seeded in different campaigns with characters coming back and all that. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. That's like if it happens, it's a year long thing. Wow. Okay, that's a that's a real investment in time. Uh, very very cool. And uh, any anything else fun happening? No. How's school? <laughs> Can we not do that? It's like it's not even seven yet. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Well, that's a little bit later where I am. So yeah. No, I was just basically doing Ghostbusters two, where um, Venkman goes into Razor Cult, which is Ray's bookshop, and Egon's there, and he's like, "Well, hey, Egon, how's school? But those chicks really dig your large cranium. I think they're more interested in my epididymis." Ghostbusters 2 rules You should watch it again For, for Christmas time Christmas time? Yeah watch it for Christmas time Fuck it Enjoy yourself Fuck Santa You know Just Vigo <laughs> Getting distracted Sorry Anything else apart from school? Uh, no How are you? I'm not the same I'm the same I'm busy um, what, Is anything cool happening? Can't think of anything really Um long pause nothing really just normal stuff just work and, and hanging out um my my uh fiance emily's on tour at the moment so i'm by myself at home with the boys a uh, lot of a lot of halloween movies watching like spooky movies pretty much every day um watching something but we'll get into that in uh, in what are we watching do you want to do what are we watching let's do what we can talk about that let's do what are we watching fantastic what are we watching I don't know if I said this last week. Um, I might not have in the last record. Johnny was recently... Everybody knows Johnny, JP, the main man. He writes all of our theme songs and 700 other pieces of instrumentation a day. Um, the guy's an absolute prophet. But, you know, everybody knows his music. Um, and I said to him, he wrote a piece of music for um, the sort of... Uh, trailer promotional trailer for our studio cable sand studios and we got all the musicians together and filmed them all and they all played johnny's tune and <clears throat> it's a baller track and it's 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 you know not gimmicky at all it's a really cool piece of music and i said to him look you know i haven't done a proper showreel for hit 66 which is the film production company arm of of what we do and I said, I haven't done a showreel in years. Like, we've got so much great stuff now. And since I've got the 4K cameras and everything, like, we're just, you know, we're producing some really interesting shit. I should put together a new showreel. Johnny, can you write me a portion? Give us a Porsche. And um, and he was like, yeah, I'm currently, you know, on holiday in, I think he was in Egypt. Um, yeah. And uh, and he went to the place where the, the, the third act of The Last Crusade happens and that. And he goes, I'll, I'll figure something out for you. And he got back and he wrote me this fucking awesome tune. I think I sent it to you, Addy. And it's kind of like, it. it's sort of, I said, give me something epic. I want something bombastic. And he did give me that, but it's also got this beautiful flavor. It's got this really great, like there's little flurries of, of the Capel Sand Studios tune as well that kind of, you know, links them together. And these, it's like flutes and it sounds like grand adventure shit. And I just messaged him, I'm like, the more I listen to it, the more I like it. So, Johnny, we love you here. Keep, keep, keep being awesome, mate. And we'll just get those that, those last little hits. We need like three big hits at the end for the title, for the end titles. For, you know, this is hit 66. Boom, boom, boom. We'll put those in, mate, and then it's done. We're finished. So, 
Anyway, I'm only saying that because that was Johnny's theme song you just heard for what are we watching? What are we watching? Addy, Dungeons and Dragons, the the, the honour to be dragons. It's honourable. We're, dra- we're honourable dragons, whatever that is. You've watched that a lot of times. What else have you watched? I actually don't know, so you go first. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know? Because it's all been Dungeons and Dragons for so long that I don't actually remember what else I watched. <laughs> so love to check. You're a bit mixed up. That's totally fair. Um, okay, I'll do mine then. In that case, yeah, I've been watching heaps of horror movies um, or, 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 or Halloween pictures um, because it is the season. I've decided to do the full run of um, the Friday the 13th. Um, and I started at number two because I watched number three uh, earlier this year. Uh, sorry, uh, number one earlier this year, which is one which where Jason, spoilers alert, Jason isn't actually the killer. Spoilers alert, the movie's like fucking 40 years old. Um, uh, uh, you know, Jason's not actually the killer. Um, but yeah, I've watched part two, three, uh, fuck, four, five, and six at this point. There's still another four to go or something. And I had to take a break. It was just getting too ludicrous because the, the formula is so much the same. Um, but also watched uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula by um, Francis Ford Coppola, which is amazing. It's just the best way I've heard it described is it's maximalist instead of minimalist. Like it's just so huge and operatic and crazy. Um, love that. Um, there's a, a animation that just dropped on Netflix, Batman, The Doom That Came to Gotham, which is an Elseworlds tale that's sort of set I think it's early 1900s or late late 1800s, and and Batman's kind of, um, you know, like a, a he's a detective, but it's at that time, and you know, it's about this this sort of mystical threat, um, which is very much uh, worth your time. I did go and see The Shining and Doctor Sleep at the Asta uh, director's cut of Doctor Sleep, um, which was which was great to see on the big screen, but I don't think it was it. <laughs> I'm like. There's stuff missing here, or is there? I can't figure it out. Like in the director's cut, maybe you can help me. In the director's cut, you okay? Hang on. In the theatrical cut, you don't see as much of the little baseball kid, do you? Like you don't see him at the game. You just see him walking along the road, and then he gets kidnapped. Uh, I think the baseball kid is like that whole sequence is in the theatrical cut. I think the one like the things that were cut out was the was most of the True Not stuff. And I think most of Dan working at the hospice. Yeah, cause, and there was also a bit where, like, I remember Abra's parents coming in and he's, like, got a cake and then the spoons are on the roof. But I thought there was a scene before that as well. Like, I, yeah, I'm not sure if it was the, the, the director's cut, the actual cut. Either way, I had a fucking good time. Um, but uh, more importantly... This is going to be... Oh, yeah, just a couple of other things I watched. Knock at the Cabin's really good. The the um, uh, M. Night Shyamalan picture, really, really great. I watched Creature from the Black Lagoon last night because my sister-in-law hadn't seen it. Fucking astounding. Like, just some... That work is... Because the movies that we see now, like Aquaman was the was was the gauge that I was using, mostly because of Tommy and DL from the podcast, the podcast, but it, because it's just, you know, the epitome of nowness, that film... If you watch that film in 50, 60 years, it's going to date really badly because the effects will have evolved so much. You watch The Creature from the Black Lagoon, which was made in the 1950s, I think. It was 53 or something. Um, I might be wrong about that, but anyway. 
if you look at it now, it's still really impressive, all the underwater photography, thinking about how much light they would have had to use, you know, the prosthetic effects, that kind of stuff. Cameras that could go underwater at that time, still shooting in 35 millimeter. Um, like, it's really impressive now, whereas stuff made now won't be as impressive because it's going to date in a way that that didn't. Um, so, it's yeah, I recommend going back to those old monster features. And speaking of monster features, this is going to fucking, this is going to stir up some ants' nests. I didn't like the It movies. What? <laughs> like... <laughs> Addy's 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 quit. Addy's quit the podcast. I also I saw um Blade at the Aster in thirty five millimeter, and it was fucking awesome. I hadn't seen it at the cinema since like when it came out. But anyway, back to It. It parts It and It Chapter Two. Yeah, I wasn't a fan. Let's see, I I don't know what to say because that's such like a that's a very appalling thing to me because I love both of those movies. I know, I know, and you've talked about afraid. I thought I'm going to peep these, and I remember the 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 made for TV like four hour movie that was in like a mini series that was yeah. done in the eighties with Tim Curry. That movie scared the fuck out of me because Tim Curry, Curry is 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 uh, Tim Curry rather is horrifying as Pennywise. Skarsgård's awesome. He's really great as as Pennywise, especially that opening thing. Hi, Georgie! Like that is chilling, bone chilling. And then you see him bite the kid, and I'm like, ah, oh, that's a CG mouth thing. And, the, and Georgie crawling along the ground in the rain with one arm missing is horrifically good. Like, it is, it, like you, you, they don't do that anymore. You can't do that in movies anymore. Have a kid, armless kid, you know. And I, and I like the first one more, like the kid stuff. It was kind of like, um, what was it described as? Someone described it as um, serious Beetlejuice. Um, and it, I thought it was a really good, like, it was a letterbox review. I can't remember who it was, but um, they said it was serious Beetlejuice. And I thought that's a good gauge on it. But as... And the first one's really good because it you don't see as much of Pennywise. Like it's kind of um, uh, he he's he's always present. But and they've got that weird sort of stabilization thing they do on the camera every time he moves. And there's some really eerie parts. But I just felt like it was you saw too much of him. It was really glossy in places where it didn't need to be. And then the sec the the second one, um, it just I I didn't I didn't get engaged with any of the performances really. I thought it was really. Like the final bit, spoilers, where he's a giant spider and there's that going on. Like it was just, it became something else. It became a big science fiction movie as opposed to, you know, a horrific movie about an alien clown. So, yeah, it just didn't engage. Just didn't engage with me. So, I'm sorry. Yeah. I understand that. See, now I understand. I still hate yeah. it. I, I hate that you that you didn't like it, but I understand mm. I could, good. I, I thought we were gonna we we're gonna break up, um. but no. See, the the thing with it, chapter two, right? Is mm. and I've I've seen this like uh, criticism of it a lot that like you, like the first one is more about the kids than it's about what's scaring them, and the second one is more about Pennywise than the than the kids. Yeah, and like the more you see Pennywise, the less scary it becomes, and that's the point. Yeah. Right, that's why like the Conjuring movies are good for like a certain period of time. Like, if you watch the Conjuring, like the second Conjuring movie, and you watch the nun like show up, right, and you watch it three times, and the third time you'll be like, okay, it's a, it's a nun, it's just nothing big. 
right? And like since the kids had moved on and then came back, right? That that was like the the big shock of seeing Pennywise for the first time after what twenty seven years was it? Yeah, that's the idea. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, I love the chapter two movie because it inspired me to write an X Men film. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. What? How, how so? I can't because say- James McAvoy's in it. <laughs> totally get it. Yeah, I can't say it here, but I'll, I'll tell you what inspired me. Okay, we'll talk. We'll talk off mic. Um, um, yeah, but I mean, it's you know, it, if if you enjoy the it pictures, it's beautiful. You know, it just it wasn't it wasn't for me. I'm sorry about the it's. Uh, what were you, what are you watching? Apart from D and D, well, uh, in film that's all because I watched it eighteen times. <laughs> so. mm, yeah, there's not a lot of room elsewise in the day to do anything else. Have you watched any TV or anything? Uh, you, yeah. Do you, do you start doing redoing Hill House or? Well, I, I did it twice. <laughs> Fucking hell! I don't know how you you mustn't sleep. I don't. I'm currently running on three days of no sleep. <laughs> wow. Well, congratulations for managing yeah. to get up and do a podcast then. Because well. I knew I couldn't sleep, so I was just waiting for my alarm to go off. I fucking hate that when you're sitting there looking at the clock. It's a and it, it always happens to me. Like I don't know if it's nerves or whatever. Just before I'm about to like I'm gonna go on a shoot, I'm like I need to get plenty of rest, and then I can't. It's like fuck my hole. <laughs> Whichever one, pick, pick it, pick which one you want. My God, I'm a bit of Swiss cheese over here. Um. Okay, apart so it was just D and D and Hill House seven um, times. Yeah, it was <laughs> no, it was Hill House twice. But I also finished the Fall of House Usher, which is mm. wow. I I said it before on the show that I I did not watch any promos for this because I wanted to go in as blind as I could, and I I grew up reading Edgar Allan Poe in school until I fucking left it. Mm. Um. So I did not know that this was like adapting from the works of Poe, and I didn't know either. That I did, that that that's news to me right this second. <laughs> well, then I won't say more because maybe down the line we do another episode. But like the way the way Flanagan has like used so much of Poe's poetry and his prose as well, mm. it's uh, it's insane, and like my. The the only way I can describe Poe from my understanding is when he started reading his shit, his like writings, especially his poems he, or poems, you start reading them and it's like, what is, like, I can't understand what this is. And by the end of it, you're, you're like, maybe I do understand it. Like, I don't understand it fully, but that's like, that's the beauty of poetry, right? Like you can't, even if you don't understand it, it, it has that impact on you. Like these are these are these are words and phrases that don't make sense in all contexts, but in a certain context, it makes all of the sense. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, Ethan Hawke described it best as far as poetry goes. He, he's like, you don't need it until someone breaks your heart, or you fall in love, or someone dies, or you have to travel a long distance and leave your home, all that kind of stuff. And that's when you know you're looking around, going, "How how am I supposed to feel about this? Someone needs to articulate this, you know." Um, and, uh, and and that's where you find it, whether it's in song form or in poetry or whatever. And Alan Watts talks about it as well. He says, uh, "Like the, the function of a poet is to describe the undescribable." You know, how do you give voice to something that is, you know, like like. 
that's the, in it. Funnily enough, like you know, your hair burns like fire. Um, uh, I, I, I burn there too. Like that's a way of telling someone you're in love with them without saying I'm in love with you because that's scary. You know, it's it's um it's powerful shit. I'm I'm excited now. I didn't realize that was what this what this show was. I'm 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 gotta finish um Midnight Mass first, obviously, because we're gonna do an episode on that. But yeah, I'll definitely come back to that. Yeah, it's just and also. I did not know this, but Bruce Greenwood is the lead. Oh, and no. fuck me, man. Bruce Greenwood is so good. Like, I've, yeah. I've seen him in The Resident, which is the, the medical drama that he's been a part of for a long time now. It's coming to an end, like, next year, this year. I'm not sure. Mm. But, yeah, I was a fan from, like, that show and then came on to, like, Gerald's game and he popped up. And then fucking Dr. Sleepy popped up. And then now this is the lead. And, you know, Mark Hamill is in this too, which is... Mark Hamill? Yeah. I'm just giving you spoilers. I'm going to stop. Yeah, no, just quit quit now while we're ahead. What we'll do is we'll... um... We'll do our, our Flanagan episodes and then maybe we'll come back, you know, in December or something and do a full House of Usher series once I get a chance to see it. Um, but, uh, yeah, was there anything else that you saw? Uh, shit, yeah, fuck, there's a lot of TV. <laughs> um, so, uh, Loki season two started and I'm watching it. Oh, yeah. Mm, how is it? It's good. It's in the same vein as season one, which is perfect. Um, but I'm, I'm also very scared because... It's six episodes and it also seems like nothing's going to happen for the first four and then something's going to happen in five and then it's going to be a cliffhanger for another thing for six. Yeah. What's next after that? Like, what will be the next thing? uh, The Marvels, but I don't think that's related to any of it. It won't be doing it, yeah. Maybe Captain America 4, which is next year or something. Yeah, it's all they're kind of a little up in the air. We'll get into it when we talk yeah. about the news, but it's it's all they're, they're kind of course correcting a little bit. And I think having Loki represent itself similarly than it did in the first season is probably a good move. Um, no talk of Hawkeye season two, but whatever. Another Christmas adventure. I'd fucking love that. <laughs> yeah, which reminds me, on twenty first of October is going to be our like our fucking second year of meeting yeah yeah that's right crazy and what a whirlwind romance this has been my goodness i can go on from talking about hawkeye to to madly in love on a podcast what are you gonna do <laughs> it's beautiful it's wonderful that means we're not too far off year two either we're gonna go we'll see april or something is next year yeah season three? 15th we'll of april yeah that's my goodness well, we should work hard at getting lots of episodes out before then. Um, cool. Well, do you want to do? Do you want to do some nerd news? There's a couple of little interesting things. One of them you sent me today, which is pretty fun. Yeah, let's do some fucking nerd news. The live-action remake of Frozen. Is reportedly in development at Disney. Now, let me just say, I recently did a job um, for a a company called MDMS, uh, Mountain District uh, Music Society, and they did a performance of Frozen Junior, and it was really fucking good. It was really good. Um, the young girl who played Elsa was incredible. Such a strong performer. 
don't don't do this. Just go and see the live show. You know, it doesn't have to be Frozen Junior, but just go and see. It, it works better as a live production. I I feel if they're gonna do if they do this, it's gonna be CG up the wazoo, and and yeah, I'm I'm not on board. Having said that though, I haven't seen Frozen, so I I'm a bad gauge. Okay. I am a 40-year-old man. At what point would I have seen Frozen? 32? Missed it. I was busy. I was busy that year. <laughs> Is it good? Do you like it? Um, yeah. Um, there, there was a production here that ran for a while called Frozen on Ice. It was shit expensive, so I couldn't go. Mm. Um, but yeah. That- Anytime anything's on ice, it's more expensive. I don't know why. Maybe the ice takes it costs more. Probably. Um, but yeah, I liked the first one. I fucking love the second one. There's two? <laughs> there was two. <laughs> There's two. The double froze. Double fro yo. Okay. Yeah. Intense. Um, but yeah, I think the second one's better. But the thing mm-hmm. is, the second one only exists because there was always a plan for for doing a live action like for as far as frozen one has existed there was always a plan right i don't know why i'm doing that i'm so glad it's not on video because i was doing this while you're gesturing no yeah it was a bit weird it was a bad angle for that hand movement because you were trying to get it in the camera but it looked a little bit what not you want you know so after the side that's good (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) hysterical um, yeah, okay, so the the second one's better. That's not what people say very often. Well, fuck people. <laughs> or, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I'm excited. That's that's one of the things where I was I was really hoping for this news to come out because I know that sure. I know that this would if they do a fucking night, it will work. And and it'll be it'll be immensely popular as well. Like people will lose their mind for it. Well, yeah, good, good, good on you, Disney. Keep, keep mining that IP. Yeah, um, but also fucking mining, like fucking pay your actors, please. Yeah, do that also. Um, uh, just I, I've got a, a few because we've kind of like um, we've we, we, a lot's happened. A lot's happened. So I'm just going to kind of blast through a few, and we'll talk about them quickly. Uh, apparently, Tobey Maguire is reportedly set to be the lead of the Avengers Secret uh, in Avengers Secret Wars. That's horseshit. No, he's not. <laughs> Who's telling you this? And if that's if that's the case, I'm not fucking watching it. Yeah, well-known insider, my time to shine. Hello is reportedly has reported a rough plot outline of Marvel's upcoming Avengers sequels. The Kang Dynasty sees the six one six Avengers team fight the Council of Kangs and lose in Secret Wars. The TVA sent a team of multi multiversal Avengers that they secretly recruited, led by Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, Hugh Jackman's Wolverine, and Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool to save the 616 Avengers and defeat Kang once and for all. I mean, if if the Kang dynasty ends with them all losing, that's just Infinity War. Yeah. And that is that is horseshit. There is no way you're getting Tobey Maguire, Hugh Jackman, and Ryan Reynolds in that film. I, I mean... Just, I, I, I can't see that happening. The, the, like, there will, will certainly be that all three of them are in there. I'm not sure if that's the plot. Because if that's the plot, then it's just... We've seen, we've seen that done very well before. With with yeah. with uh, with a 10-year uh, fucking build-up. I think they're trying to up the ante of, like, let's do it so it's across, like canonically across everything because that's so much so that it's going to be a sort of a, a reset 
you know, soft reboot of the whole thing. And also um, they're folding Sony into it. So all of those Sony movies will now be canon to the MCU um, after Craven comes out, if it ever comes out. Um, and look, it's you know, not, I, I, it's not I'm kind of, I can hear it. No, it's not going to, it's never going to come out. It's not about fucking Craven. It's ridiculous. I can hear in my voice the skepticism and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to reset on that. If they do it and it works, that's fucking awesome. That's really cool. Like, you know, uh, and any good way to tell a story is a good way to tell a story. I'm just, I'm just reserving my, my, I'm going to reserve judgment you know, till I see it. But I just, I just don't actually think that's true. I think that's that's their porky pies, mate. Um, and, and you know, an example of what I why I would say that is because something like this, the Blade screenplay is reportedly being completely rewritten at the moment. Um, Hollywood insider um, Daniel RPK says that Marvel's upcoming Blade reboot is reportedly being completely rewritten from scratch. Okay. Um, it's it was original. Uh, it was changed from its original release date of September twenty twenty four to February twenty twenty five. So that's that's up in the air. And then also um, uh, 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 along with that, uh, the, the you Daredevil. sent me this that both. Well, yeah, Daredevil's being rewritten and I already started shooting. Um, like all these course corrections, a bit messed up. Vision Quest um, has been cancelled. Um, which is uh, originally a show about Vision regaining his memories after WandaVision and building Young Avengers. And also the Wonder Man series um, uh, has been cancelled too. So it looks like they're trying to like curb a lot of shit. Um, And I don't know how doing that big movie at the end like that is going to help anybody. Yeah. Because that goes like that goes directly to the point I made when we first heard about like the Kang Dynasty thing is a, you you will there is no fucking way that you'll have two Avengers movies in the same year. Yep. Secondly, that those go up. That goes up to 2728 for sure. Oh, undoubtedly, yeah. There's there's no way that they get those out like when they think that they will, yeah. Oh yeah. And like Especially if they're not written. <laughs> you know? uh, the, the second thing is that I think the Wonder Man thing is the biggest fumble because they were they were going with the booster goal approach with Wonder Man is that he mm. like he goes into Hollywood with like after like wanting to be a stuntman but then getting jealous and being an actor. Yep. Right? And you could fall King or in it. Like I think in the comics it's him and Hercules that go into to Marvel's Hollywood to, to go and do that. I mean that's that's okay because booster goal's coming out anyway. It's just if if eventually Wonder Man shows up, people are gonna be like, "Well, that's just Marvel's booster goal," which is not not entirely wrong, but it's not entirely correct too. Yeah, I think Booster Goal was one of the characters that came from um, uh, the, the the universe that DC bought that had like Blue Beetle and the Shadow and stuff. Capital, I think it was called, or something or other so maybe that existed before wonder man or wonder man existed before it i don't know maybe let us know in the comments um but you know that'll be what it'll be um one exciting thing on the marvel news though is that john bernthal has officially joined the cast of daredevil born again fucking right on i'm assuming he's playing frank castle if not that'd be weird (laughs) love john he's got a really good podcast actually um it's called the real ones. Uh, right. 
into some DC news. There's some funny stuff happening. Okay. First one on the Superman Legacy front, James Gunn's Superman Legacy. Apparently, Jason Momoa is officially in talks to star as Lobo either in a solo film or possibly in Superman Legacy. That's a great move. Um, I think people are going to confuse him with Aquaman, though. I know they're resetting universes and all that kind of stuff, and Aquaman lives outside of it and whatever, but I think that's going to confuse some people, don't you think? Uh, it is also... I don't think it's a it's a good idea to... I mean, after the thing that we, we saw of Jason Moore, I don't think it's a, it's a good idea to have him anywhere in the DC. Why? What happened? Well... Cut this part out, but I, I sent you the the post of uh, Jason Momoa dressing up as Johnny Depp and harassing Amber Heard. On the Who said that though? Like, what's what source is this? I I don't know, but it was in multiple like fucking uh, new shit. But I mean, have you seen Jason Momoa? He kind of dresses like Johnny Depp anyway. Like, <laughs> he just turned up. Dressed like Johnny Depp with all the jangles and the bangles and the sprinkles and the sprinkles. He's got sprinkles on as well because he's a fucking ice cream. But yeah, I mean, if he did that, what a prick. But, but you know, um, I don't know if that's true. But as far as Lobo goes, it's pretty good casting. I mean, yeah. I can't think of anybody else off the top of my head. The Rock. Tom Holland. The Rock. Now, The Rock's done enough. All right. The Rock needs to take a fucking break and brand reset and... and and start being selected. Yeah, that's that's um, why he's doing the Moana live action, right? Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, and they'll probably make him bigger as well. Like, they'll animate him bigger and it'll be fucking bloody odd and weird. Um, as far as Superman Legacy goes, though, this is this is this might be a baller move. Kurt Russell, rumouredly in talks to play Jor-El. 100% yes. Yes. Wow. A that's, thousand percent that's yes. That's insane, dude. That's a great move, man. He's got Jor-El energy all over it. I mean, it, 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 fucking, I'm really excited for that Monarch TV show that's coming out on Apple. Yeah! It's um, got him and Wyatt in it, his son. Oh. I'm like, yep, this- anything Kurt Russell's in, I will fucking watch, Yeah, man. and the this play the same character too. Sorry? Like, yeah, I think it's the, yeah. I think it's like the older and the younger version, which is awesome. And and Wyatt Russell's a really fucking good actor. Like he's been great in a lot of things, but he was particularly good in Under the Banner of Heaven with um, Andrew Garfield, which was about um, sort of a, a, a murder inside the um, uh, Church of Latter Day Saints community. Um, and it's he's he's exceptional in that. And he was really good in um, uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier as well. Um, just yeah awesome as us agent so i'm I'm excited about that um and and yeah kurt russell he's just there's a fantastic video of him going out to dinner with goldie horn and and it's his birthday and she's like she's like what are we doing hon and he's like it's my birthday and we're going to drink some wine isn't this place beautiful and he just it just exudes this kind of joyfulness about life which is such a rarity you know i think only people older find it and you can you can make the argument oh he's got heaps of money you can he's got time to be happy whatever i think he's just a a, a beautiful human being and i think he's a really good actor too um he's definitely the best part of most of the movies he's in um wait okay second to last there's okay i have a question if you were to recast or if you were to cast um jarrell and exclude all the actors that have played jarrell before who would you do it so not have Wyatt Russell or Kurt Russell in it in the running. No, so not not Kurt not Kurt Russell and not anyone who's already done it. And who would I cast? Hmm, it's got to be someone kind of like stately 
and and uh, you know Michael Caine, but he's he's retired. Um, no, I couldn't couldn't do Michael. Denzel Washington. That would that would be cool. I mean, that might change the ethnicity yeah. of your Superman, but he would be cool, like someone someone with that kind of energy. But if he it had to be if it had to be a a, um, a Caucasian actor to go with the actor who is going to play Superman, Corn Sweat, um, I can't remember his first name. Um, oh wow! Let me think for a second. So I would just go Nicholas Cage. Age up Keanu Reeves. That's that's good. That that's Age good. up Keanu. Give yeah. him white hair and shit. Yep, that's that's what's up. So I was just gonna that's go Nicholas Cage. Or Nicholas Cage would be pretty cool as well. What what a manic energy for Jor-El. And like great. tell him to do exactly what <laughs> what Martin Brando did, and it's it's Nicholas Cage doing a Martin Brando impression. Perfect. <laughs> Nicolas Cage has one of the most interesting performances in a superhero movie of all time. He was in the first Kick-Ass as Big Daddy. Yes! Nobody fucking talks about that. I don't like that movie. I think it's needlessly nihilistic and and grotesque in places. The second one's even worse. And the comic book's horrible. Like, it's a really... Yeah. It's not not good. But he got a really interesting performance in that film because he plays three characters. He plays the dad to Hit Girl... Who is like, you know, we'll go and get banana split, child, like that kind of thing. And then he he switches to a very different version of himself when he's talking to anyone else apart from her. Um, and he's like, you know, it's a game. I'm playing a game, and he's that I'm getting vengeance, whatever. And then when he's Big Daddy or whatever the character's name is, um, and he's in the costume and stuff like that, he's doing an Adam West impression. <gasps> Boom! That'll that'll fuck your mind right up. Yep. Yep. So rewatch that film uh, if you want to. You know, if you can, if you can stand the fucking disgusting. I just, I just find it, I just find it really needlessly, like gory, cruel, and and and, and there's so much suffering. Like he gets burned. In, like I know it's in the comics and an adaptation, and everything, but it's just like extreme. That what what the We Hate Movies podcast calls edge lord horseshit. Like where it's just. It's needlessly extreme just to provoke a reaction as opposed to being like motivated by something. But that's just my opinion. If you like the hit, the, 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 the kick-ass movies, fill your boots. Um, but yeah, Nicolas Cage, fantastic pick. Um, maybe Nicolas Cage could also play this next role. Apparently, Hush is going to be the main antagonist in Batman, The Batman Part 2. At this point, that film has more protagonists and more antagonists more antagonists than, like, than, than protagonists like, like any other member of the of like the uh the bat club that we've seen what the fuck I is think bat? they might be slipping into the same problem I know what you meant I think they might be slipping into the same problem that the original series did is where they're f- they're gonna bulk out like okay well the sequel got to go more villains because in in the first film it was it was just the Riddler um and you know Oswald Coldpot's in it but he's not an antagonist as much as the Riddler is. It was more just him. He was like appearing. But if they have like this and then the Joker and blah, 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 it's just, you're going to feel it's going to have the same problem that the original series had where it's just going to become about the villains, which is, which is, you know, you want to, you want to be Batman. Yeah. Plus, I mean, I don't know if I've said this before, but I was talking to a very close friend of mine who's a diehard Batman fan Mm. and he likes Batman when he's dark. 
and I'm not that. I, I'm I'm with Batman learning to to grow because of the creation and then joining the Justice League and then creating. I'm I'm with that arc. Yeah, and, sure. Uh, it's just the only way that could work is all of those characters, all of those villains, are small cameos at the end of the film where Arkham just breaks loose and everyone's out there in Gotham, and that's the third film. That's pretty cool, right? I do like it. Do like a um. A cataclysm kind of a cataclysm was a, a series they did it would have been in the 90s i think where an earthquake hit gotham and they were cut off from the u.s like they were uh, um uh you know persona non grata kind of situation and they kind of all had to fend for themselves <clears throat> and there was like aftershocks in in bloodhaven and shit and it was pretty cool it's sort of what happened at the end of the batman where they flooded the place like if you had that kind of happen that'd be interesting yeah but like i don't I don't I don't get the point of having so many like the Joker was in there that was cool but it was also unnecessary. Yeah, that's the, one of the most unnecessary stingers of all time. Um and I'm I, it it does nothing to further the the story of that film. It's just like hey the Joker might be in the next one come back. Like it's Batman, we're coming back. You don't need to fucking pepper in this guy, you know. Um, cause then you're, then you're married to it as well. You can't, you can't develop the way that Nolan was like, we're going to write one at a time. And then if we get the okay to make the next one, we're going to figure that out, which is why there's none of that fucking guff, you know, in, in like in the dark Knight. if you finish the dark Knight with him taking the rap for killing Harvey and riding off into the night and he's like, you know, he's a silent protector, a dark Knight, then you see that bat pod go up the ramp into the light and then cut to black. If that was the last Nolan Batman film, that's a good ending. And it's an ending. It's definitive. You know, you don't need him to... He's, he is. He ends both as the hero and as, you know, the saviour that, that people don't know, which is what Batman kind of should be. If they hadn't have got a third film, it still would have ended properly. Yeah. And, like, that's the thing, because it's set to be just three films unless they have a plan of, like, extending it. I don't think Matt Reeves is going to have more than three films. He's, he's got no. much shit to do. There's, there is something about a trinity of films or a Euclid of, 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 of what, the word that I use anyway. It was like it was a mathematician who like did things in, in triplets or had a theory about it anyway. That's my understanding. Um, there's something about the, uh, the, the uniformity of that, that that works really well. It's like, you know, the structure of a film is three acts generally or four, but um, most of the time it's kind of the three, you know, beginning, middle, end and whatever. They kind of work. It feels good. So just, you know, let him do that. Have hush and, and, and no one else. And finally, this is the last one. This is, this is, we're going to file this under no shit. Gal Gadot. You know Gal Gadot? Uh-huh. The Gadot and Ezra Miller are not expected to return as their respective characters in the DCU. No shit! <laughs> You don't fucking say. Gal Gadot, who's, who's you know, clearly not interested. And Ezra Miller, who's clearly untalented. Um, you know? No, I don't care about any of the other stuff about him. I don't think he's a good actor. Um, you know? Not a, not a huge shock there. But whatever. Yeah, I mean, Gal Gadot has been going on for interview after interview saying that... <laughs> saying that Wonder Woman 3 is a go and then saying... We don't know what's happening, dude. There, there have been conversations with James Gunn 
to a point where there's, it's like it's a joke now every time she's asked yeah. about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's like, eh, I don't know. You, this is misleading as fuck. I just e- either leave Wonder Woman alone for a minute and recast her, or or do something different. You know, like find another f- female-led superhero um, that you can you can sort of you can dig into for the DCU. I don't think you need to do Wonder Woman. You find other people, maybe Power Girl, but without the big I did, thing I, of cleavage. Yes, if we do Power Girl, I really want it to be like an actual fucking suit instead of like that taken out and yeah. like no fucking like there's nothing down there though like every time we see power girl it's just it's just the upper thing yeah it's and and there's no like the person who created power girl sort of wrote that as like a gag okay you know because of that the way that uh, like superheroines are sexualized in, in comics and that still happens today it's just a little bit less frequent but in the 90s that's all it was it was big pecs big guns big tits as um kevin smith said in chasing amy but uh yeah you can do power girl interestingly because she's she's like superman's cousin or something or she's from she's a kryptonian uh um, yeah and i know like kara um zorel supergirl is superman's actual cousin but but power girl is kryptonian in some respect as well i just can't remember what's what the what her origin is i don't think she's kryptonian i, I might be completely wrong but i think she's from the planet that monel is from oh okay so so she's from you know she's kryptonian adjacent yeah i think so okay okay that was a big pull, though. On Elf, I don't think. Anyone's yeah, I know. Lose. Like, I'm really impressed. That was some comic bona fides. We need to start a new podcast, but we're not going to do that today. We're on this podcast, and on this podcast, we're going to talk about the full ghost house. It's the house in, of. It's a haunt. It's it's we're haunted. Fuck. <laughs> I it up. It's the haunting of Hill House, created by Mike Flanagan, based on the text by. Uh, by Shirley Jackson called The Haunting of Shirley Jackson and it was a book or a series of books it was a book it's also regarded as one of the first uh, uh, feminist one of the first books uh, advocating feminism ever Uh, yeah when was it written I don't I am not sure it was in I think it was in the 50s right right uh, like one of the one of the biggest ones, I'd say. Mm-hmm. The the show isn't that the show the show is an adaptation of the themes in the book. It is not an adaptation of the of the story. If you right. if you want the story adaptation, there's a there's a film called The Haunting of Hill House. I think from this, like it, it's it's like a black it's a black and white film. Okay. Right. Um, that's called the haunting of Helos, and that's I think that's half an adaptation of the of the actual story, which has right. which has these characters in there. They they have Luke, they have they have Nelly, and they have um, there's one more I'm forgetting, but it's not in like the main cast of the show. But um, yeah, that's that's more of the adaptation of the book, and this is more of the adaptation of the themes that Sherry Jackson presented in. Uh, uh, in that book, right? Have you read the book? I have not. <laughs> right, that's okay. There's no 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 big deal there. Um, you don't have to have read it. Yeah, Shirley Jackson, um, who is she fucking died in 1965, so 
Um, yeah, so th- there was a film called The Haunting, uh, which is based on, on The Haunting of Hill House. Right. Um, and that was made in 1963. Um, and, uh, yeah, it seems like they, it's kind of a little bit more of a faithful adaptation. But the one that we're talking about is this one, um, adapted lovingly by Mike Flanagan, the main man. And for those who don't know, I, I don't know why you listen to this episode, but just briefly, um, a family moves into a house in order to renovate it. It's um, a, a father and mother and they've got one, two, three, four, four five. Five, five kids. Five kids. Um, and it tells the story of them, you know, being in this house and dealing with, with, with the poltergeists as, as I would call them, and and the 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 fact that this house is is uh, you know extraordinarily haunted, um, uh, and you do find out later that some of those hauntings are very specific, um, but it tells the story tandem with the past of the children dealing with it and the parents dealing with it as you know things escalate in the house, and then the present, the children mostly and the father dealing with what what happened to them and the trauma that it, it, it brought and the relationships as well that go on um it's sort of it's kind of hard to know where to start with this what what was your experience with it like did you just go oh yeah this is oh, this looks good or did someone recommend it like how did that work i just watched it you were just like this because that's interesting because you're not really a you don't like horror movies and, and stuff well you didn't used to yeah this was the this was my first time like i have a post on I have a post on uh, Instagram that is my, my first time falling in love with horror. It's mm. it's uh, I'm, to- I'm talking about uh, Hill House, and it's like horror was like scary shit to me. Though, those it, but this this gave it substance and it gave it gave me the the outlook of of like looking beyond the horror and what's causing it, which is mostly the which like is most times the the scarier thing. It's not mm. what you're seeing, but what's causing you to see it. Yeah, but, good point. Yeah, it's. Um, I watched it. I cried, and I I took a break because it was it was heavy, and I was fucking sixteen. Mm. And I went back, and I kind of, I I like the first time through. I hated I hated Stephen. Because he starts off that way, like you you meant to hate him in, in like the first episodes. And then, yeah, and then like, cause the first the first episode is called Stephen sees a ghost, and it, and mm. it starts off with Stephen telling the person that he's interviewing that I've never actually seen a ghost, and he goes on that journey of like understanding where he was wrong, and it's 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 the it's it's the episode where it's intercutting with or like actually like the one take episode. Where they go and like amazing, yeah. It's called. It, it's at the it's at the start of um. Uh, we're gonna spoil it, by the way, folks. So yeah, if you don't, want, if you haven't watched it, yeah, like we're gonna talk about it. So three, two, one. When the younger sister, uh, it's at the younger sister's funeral, and it's all one continuous take throughout the funeral home that are, that are, the older sister owns is amazing, incredible film, uh, incredibly filmed. Yeah, um, the, like the one tidbit of trivia from the one did bit of trivia from like shooting the episode was that they they made a, they made like a, a dotty that could that could work and like that could like work all the way on the carpet because there was carpet on the floor 
Mm. And uh, you know, it could it could like move, it could stand still, but also move move in a way that the camera stayed still and didn't like jitter or like move. Wow. And it was very stabilized, and they create like they created that. And throughout rehearsal, they used it, and because they used it so much, it was not actually meant for the the carpet flooring. And by the end of by the end of the the last day of of them shooting in in that room, it all broke down. Like it, it's wow. it started to break down, and Mike Flanagan did not tell the actors, so he let them he let them do their job. And when they called cut on like the very last take of that of that uh, of like the the funeral home scene, um, it like they called cut and it broke down. <laughs> so that was beautifully timed. Yeah, Mike Flanagan said in one of his interviews that. He's he's very proud of that episode, but he he'll never do it again, which I understand. Yeah, he also said um, in the in the on the scripted part podcast that making that show was uh, like torture. It was a horrible experience trying to get that, and I would assume it's probably pressure from Netflix, Netflix yeah. to get it done, and and, and also. Whenever it's that, whenever it's a director, producer, writer, it's always time. Time and resources are the two things you never have and money too, I guess. But I think they've kind of seen the success of it and now he gets a bit more free reign. Like he doesn't come back to do Blythe Manor just because Dr. Sleep doesn't do well. Like he could have done anything. He doesn't come back to do Midnight Mass, which is an incredibly personal piece for him. Um, And he certainly doesn't come back to do, you know, what is a spiritual sequel to all that stuff um, uh, for the House of Usher without, without getting a better a better deal of, of how to how to make these things like having more time available and rehearsals and all that shit but the the beautiful thing of it is that you you see none of that tension on screen like all you see is these amazingly well-drawn characters this beautiful family relationship and everybody gets individual beats like it's one of the most well um well constructed pieces of of uh, narrative from a character level that I've ever seen and 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 it shares so much dna with it's the way that Stephen King develops his stories where you 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 build up this this these relationships and these characters and you invest in them and then all the horrible shit starts happening and you you actually care what happens to them um and everybody's so specific and 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 so layered um they have relationships with each other and with other people and also there's 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 addiction going on there and also mental illness and 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 um you know abandonment stuff and you know posturing and ego and it all kind of bleeds into the what what is this deconstructed family and i find that um carla gagino's character is sort of like she is the the center point of it because she's the one that you don't see in in the future you know she is the one who you know, passes away in the past and that's kind of the catalyst for all this stuff. Um, for instance, like to, just to put it on Front Street, it ends up being that they end up kind of haunting themselves. Um, you know, you see um, uh, the, the, the the crooked neck woman is the first ghost that you see. The and it's standing lady. over. Um, yeah, it's, it's whose bed is it standing over? It's, it's Nell's bed. That's the first It's time. Nell's bed. Yeah. Yeah, standing over Nell's bed. When Nell does die, she falls through reality um, until she is standing at the end of her own bed and she 
was the the crooked neck woman all along. And you get these other kind of ghosts that are in the house, like the guy in the wheelchair and the really tall man, which is really terrifying and stuff. But the one that gets me every time is, it's I think it might be in the first episode. I'm not sure where the dad goes in and 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 speaks to the oldest boy, and he's like, "You have to close your eyes, yeah, and don't open them." And then when they run out of the house, what you see is is Carl Gugino's character with an injured leg running, but you don't know that yet. Yeah, that you doesn't see, happen you until see a the woman second last episode. Them. You see this woman with a weird limp, looking like a ghost, but and it is fucking terrifying. And I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna lie. I got up and put a light on. I was I was sitting in a dark room with just a salt lamp on, and I'm like, nah, I'm gonna go and put this light on in this other room. Isn't that silly as a grown man? But um, yeah, they do. That's the other part where where that happened. I was like, oh, I, this is something different. This isn't just a haunted house thing. This is a haunting yourself. What an interesting concept. And like. I think that like this in in terms of scariness and like giving you a scare, I think Flanagan's work has has diverted from that. Mm. Where I think the most scariest thing is like parts of Midnight Mass. But like I don't know how far along you are, but like Midnight Mass, everything I'm only the first episode, yeah. Yeah. Wait till episode three, it all just fucking it, it picks up. Jumps off. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, But, yeah, it's like with with Hill House, Flanagan found his audience of the, the scares are okay, but the character, the like the character shit, the, the drama is what we're here for. And that's what mm. got him like doing all these other shows. And that's why most of those were so successful. Um, yeah, absolutely. Each, each sibling uh, is a is a representation of different stages of grieving. And like mm. you said, the, the character of the mother was was the glue, right? Was the glue of this family. And in Hill House, you see that the glue literally break. And then it's all of these people just roaming around individually, being haunted by the glue that's not there. And yeah. like the entire show is... is is the mother calling calling them back to just be together and fuck man it's it's so heartbreaking when like this it's in it's in that episode of like the the one take episode where where Shirley's sitting down and she say she says that isn't it funny how Nell always just wanted us to be together someone should have told mm. us not to, someone should have told her not to try this hard yeah if you've if you've lost anybody and, and tried to come to grips with what that actually means um, and the otherness of it, it's it's a really good show to watch because it kind of it doesn't answer anything, but it kind of gives you a you know it's that scene where no one can see her, like no one could see me, you couldn't see me. Yeah, I was right um, here, and, and no, none of you could see me. Yeah, like the the, the horror of that, you know, of the and, and that's what it is. There's not much in the way of when you really break it down, the the stuff of it, it's not like in The Shining where the woman in the bathtub actually strangles Danny and he gets, you know, bruises or whatever. Like the the malicious spirits that are in that house don't do much to them. It doesn't, you know, no one gets, it's more the house that sort of does the kind of, you know, forces people to do things like as a, as a 
as a conduit for evil. It's not individual ghosts. It's the ghosts of their past is what, what the problem is, whether it's, you know, um, uh, and oh, the other thing I really love is the room. It's a different room for everybody. The red um, room, yeah. Your red room, like based on where you are in, in your development. Um, and that was really interesting, like the, how you can, like there can be a a, a, a a spiritual, what's the word? Like a fulcrum, like a focal point where it changes for, for whoever it happens to be. And it is the house that is there doing this. You know, it's not necessarily, yeah. the, the, that's what I mean by poltergeist. Like a poltergeist is something that is born out of, intense anguish and emotional strain like it's not a ghost it's not a, a dead person it is a, a, a the embodiment of a tragedy of tragedy of, or of rage or whatever seems like that's what this is more than just your typical haunting yeah that's a that's a really cool take because for for me the red room was always this this room of escapism for, for each mm. one and it wasn't there for the dad because he didn't need one like his escape was his family Right? Yeah. It was all of that shit outside and the house and everything, but his escape was his family. But but for, for each person that, that escape looked different. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that that was my takeaway from like it being different for each person. And yeah, I, I said in the in the Doctor Sleep episode, but it the the ending we got was not supposed to be that it was it was them that scene. You know, Luke celebrating the two years and uh, uh, Stephen's wife pregnant and Shirley back back with her husband and Theo is doing okay. But it was all that, and behind them was the was the window, implying that they were never escaped. And yeah. uh, Mike Flanagan woke up the day that woke up the night before they were they were going to shoot it, and he said, after everything that they've they've that they've gone through, they they deserve the happy ending. Like he felt, he mm. felt cruel for for keeping them in that agony, right? And it's just, it it gives a really good meaning to the word ghost because by the end of it, their father is one, and he yeah. he tells Stephen to to you know like, we see the father die, like you know the door shuts and we see his perspective and he goes back and he just dissolves, mm. right? But in the episode, he he's there. When they open up the door, he's there. There's a, there's a beautiful conversation about when what he has with the ghost of of his wife, like the wife that he's talking to in like in his daily life. That's that's not a ghost. That's just him talking to the memory of his wife. Like that's that's a mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's it's so weird that he has that. His his kids don't, mm. and that's that's because he knew about everything. He kept it, he kept it secret. And at the end of the at the end of the show, there's there's this beautiful conversation in the house, where, uh, I think it's the darkest hour where the lovers meet, or something. And it's mm. it's them talking about how hard painting is and how, you know. This this world will chew them up and and throw them out, and we as parents will have to sit here and watch it happen, because yeah. that's what we do, and it's 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 him bargaining to the house to take him and let his children go, 
Mm. And his ghost helps everyone out, and then he sh- and then he shows Stephen why why the house was there, and we see we see Mister Dudley carrying his his dying wife to the house. Yeah, and she, his wife dies, and then she comes back as a ghost with the baby that, uh, that they lost. Yeah. That, that that's the most chilling story for me is 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 the story that um, Dudley tells when they're in the basement and yeah. they're trying to get rid of the mold. And it's just that slow, slow pushing on that wonderful actor who's been in so much of his, so much of Mike Flanagan's stuff. He was one of the True Knight guys. I can't remember the Knight guy's name. I'll look it up while I'm talking. Um, but yeah, it's got that slow pushing on him, and um, it's just like the toll of um, Robert Longstreet is the guy's name. The toll that it it takes. Uh, 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 on everybody individually, whether it's in, in a loss like that um, or if it's just, you know, the, a misunderstanding of self. Like Theo's doesn't, she doesn't, she seems so self-assured, especially as a young um, a young character played by um, Mackenzie, someone Mackenzie? No. Help. Keep going. Mackenzie? Keep going. Keep going. I'll, I'll find it. Keep going. Grace, someone. Mackenzie Grace. Grace McKinnon. She's I'm pretty sure that's Grace McKinnon, name. whatever it is, um, played wonderfully by her. Like you know, sort of having these these abilities, you know, these these psychic powers, and not understanding them, and then slowly gaining an understanding of them over time. Without the house, she wouldn't have done that. You know, that's that's. So it's weird the way that it affects other people, and then you've got the the, the youngest um, uh, 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 brother um, who's the addict. Forgot his name. Uh, Luke. Also, her name is McKenna Grace. So we were right. We just McKenna Grace. We we just fucked it up. Yeah. um, So Luke's character, you know, he he was the youngest. He would have had no outlet below himself to kind of deal with it. The way that the older kids were able to kind of divorce themselves from things because they had to look after the one below them you know what i mean and he had no one like there was no one below him to look after the fucking tree house yeah like that dad never built a tree house like these think these things that the the constructs that are so specific to the house that's why i say poltergeist because it's not like a ghostly particular presence it's something that is built for each individual terror um like that's that's why it gets you so much. Like for me, that would be something completely different than it would be for you. Like for me, it would probably be, you know, um, never being able to. Everywhere I go, there's 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 alcohol, you know, in a room, or people are drinking everywhere I go. Or whatever that would be, my demons, or 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 something like you know, I I keep seeing my cats die, or you know what I mean, like thinking about what would be the horror for me would be those kind of things. Whereas you know, for you, it'd be probably um you know having the D and D movie never be made, and you know about it, but no one else does. Like yesterday, like that movie yesterday, where you're the only one who remembers the Beatles, but nobody else does, and you're the only one who remembers D and D, and everyone else is like, "What are you talking about?" That's, that's yeah. but then you go, "Hang on, I could create D and D now," but everyone's like, "Nah, we don't want it." That would um, be horrible for you. It would. Also, you brought the cat staying. How was the episode with Shirley? I I can't talk about it. Like it's just it's too much, man. Animal animals. 
animals are so much better than us. Like they're so much better than humans because I was talking to Alex about it last night. Like experientially, they don't, they don't deal with life the same way that we do. Like we have, I was talking about it in relation to my, I went to my high school reunion. It was like a 20 year high school reunion on, on the weekend. And it was lovely. It was really nice to see a bunch of people and the dude who organized, it's a really good friend of mine. And, and you know, he had a great time and it was, it was, it was fine, but there was, you know, there was some leftover stuff there from high school, probably not, not for me. Like I put all that to bed a long time ago, but for other people, there was still some stuff going on and that's totally fine. You know, you deal with things at your own pace, but just thinking about it, like animals, Animals are not inherently evil. There is not an evil animal on planet Earth. Like there are things that act out of um, instinct and fight or flight, but they don't cognize their own deaths either. They don't understand the concept of death where we do and we're constantly chasing, we're constantly running away from it. Um, they they just have the, the feeling of like being alive. Like d- d- no, no animal will ever do anything out of ego. Like there's posturing and, and, and you know, um, uh, where, where they'll, you know, a bird will fluff up or do a little dance to get a mate or whatever. That's a biological imperative. They don't do it out of uh, uh, ego or malice and, and, and stuff like that. that. That's not what they do. They want, you know, nutrition. Well, not nutrition, but I guess they do. Yeah, they want nutrients. They want to be able to eat. They need to be warm. They need love the same as everybody else. They have rich emotional lives. Like they can be, you know, sad or happy or whatever, but they don't do anything out of... There's no evil to them. There's no malice. Whereas there are truly evil human beings on planet Earth. Um, so, yeah, of course, of course, the animal stuff gets to me. It's why I don't eat them because it's fucking weird. It's fucking weird to eat animals. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, and, and and that's that's me. Like, you know, I never push that on anyone else. You know, you you. I'm sure you have a positive argument for it. And that's totally fine. I just I just can't hear it. I just think it's really peculiar to do that to, to you know do that to a creature that has no concept of, you know, can feel fear in such a real way. Like to have your, to have something that you put in your body, have feel fear. It just, yeah, it's, it's, it's very, very strange, but yeah, that they were particularly tough. The, the episodes with the, with the, um, the dying kittens. And I was at the time, you know, surrounded by these, these three boys, you know, these three cats, either where they're sitting on the floor in front of the fire or whatever. And yeah, that was, that was the scariest part of all of it. You know, I'll take all the ghosts you got. I'll fucking fist fight a ghost, but you know, come come for my come for my animals, and um, you've got real problems. That's why I told you it's heavy. Yeah, it was. That was the heaviest part. It's not even like thinking about you know losing family members and stuff like that. It was just the it was the innocence, you know, because that's what they are, and it's it, it was pretty brutal. Like I can literally hear them meowing now because they're out here. They're, they're they're not. I'm in my office with the door closed, and I can hear them meowing, and it makes my heart hurt. Thinking about it episode by episode and how things kind of escalate and stuff like that. What's what's your kind of, where did you know you were like, okay, this is it. This is, did you know from the jump, like episode one, I'm in, or did you, did when you get to a certain part? Because I know exactly when it ha- when I was like, this is going to be something I repeat watching. The problem with that is that I, w- I was like a completely different person then <laughs> when I watched it the first time. So I don't, I don't actually remember what it was that hit, but I, I think it was probably the mystery of the Red Room that kept me going. I was like, because mm. I need to know what it was. And then it blew my mind at the end. But the reason... Such a good um, uh, narrative technique, yeah. Yeah. 
it's just fucking awesome. Every time I see somebody else react to that, it's just it's so like it's like fuck. I know what else to like put it against like somebody else who hasn't seen like I don't know. It's just hard to compare it to something else. Mm. When you say you're a completely different person, I mean that's that's every day. You, the the person who sat down at the chair to have this conversation is not the person who will get up in a minute and that person is not the person who will you know be 30 in 10 years and that person is not the person who will die like we're always you change every moment your molecules change you know on a, on a, on a scientific level so that totally makes sense sorry a bit of metaphysics for you that's okay it's just that for sure i agree but that but also like when i was 16 which is fucking four years ago Oh my goodness, 16, four years ago, fuck, holy shit, that's just amazing. 25, mate, 25 years, quarter of a century ago, I was 16, you can eat a bag of salt and vinegar chips. Dicks. You know, <laughs> no, you, can, you can have a banana nude. You can have a fucking banana nude, mate. That's something I invented <laughs> yesterday. I was saying off, off mic to, to Addy. A banana nude is when you get fully undressed <laughs> just to eat a banana. It's a real niche kink thing and I'm getting into it. <laughs> Just feel sexy. Do you like cut it up or do you just like? Do you just? You can do whatever you want, however you want to eat it. It has got to go in your mouth, obviously. I mean, you can pop it in your bum if you want. Um, but chew it. Yeah, that'd be weird. But um, yeah, no, you have to you have to consume it with your mouth. Um, and you can have it in whatever as a split. Um, you can have it in portions with some bran, whatever you have. But you have to take all of your clothes off and look in the mirror while you do it. I just made that last little bit up. up, up. <laughs> a banana nude. Enjoy yourselves, folks. What are we talking about? <laughs> the reason I come back to it is just... It's the house, man. Because it's... Like, when you watch it the first time, I, I think it took me at least three watches to actually understand what the house is. It's, mm. To me, it's uh, it's an amplifier of everything in it. Yeah. Like yeah, good way to put it. There, there are ghosts in there. There's this one ghost in particular that's Poppy that doesn't actually do evil things. All she does is show the future of her kids to them, to to, to their mother. Right? Mm. It's it's fucking insane because in in the mother's episode, she opens the door of their room and it's it's the morgue where she's where she sees Nell's body and Luke Odie and it's just it's it's heartbreaking. Right yeah. and like to her when she when she gives them the red poison is is like for her it's preserving that version of of her kids where they mm. they will grow up in the house with her but she will always be with them or they will always be with her right she she's not like by the time you get to that point in with the tea party it's like it's gone on for too long but like that's the most evil thing that that an evil person that lived in the house did so like that's that's mm. just the energy that they had but each and every like every other ghost in the house it's 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 just there it's just them being there right like like the old sick lady there she talks but she she's she says the truth that poppy lies and you see, you see the kid with the wheelchair, and you see him like when Luke goes down, in in like the, I don't know what to call it, 
The dumb waiter. Yeah, the dumb waiter. He goes down. He sees that kid without the wheelchair, and the kid is crawling. But all you can see is what Luke sees, which is this, just scary ass shit that comes to him crawling and then rips out the shirt. Yeah, he's wearing. It's yeah, it's the, the old man with the hat. He's just looking for his hat. Yeah, like, and that's the scariest. Like when yeah. it leans down right in. Um, uh, what's uh, uh, what's his name's face? Luke's and, face. And, and the, yeah. Is is it Luke? Is it? Yeah. The, I mean, the scene where they go back. To oh, the, I think it's oh, the last okay. episode where they go back That's to the house. Stephen. Yeah. It's Stephen and the dad's there, and he's like, "Just keep looking at me. Don't look at it." Like that was where I was like, "That's scary," um, you know, because you kind of see apparitions and stuff and and that that's where i make the argument as well like you were just saying how the 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 house influenced um uh, uh, uh the mother carla gugino's character to do all this stuff that's why that's again where i make the argument that it's a poltergeist because it's something that's influencing as opposed to just haunting um and all of them seem they're all motherfucking force sensitive you know like everybody is is particularly you know, uh, 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 spiritually attuned to this stuff. You know, the the, um, the mother has these migraines that are, that are probably brought on by spiritual awareness. You've know, got Theo has the ability to read people in touch and it's got that kind of... It's like they were kind of... It's like The Shining, you know, you've always been here kind of situation. Like they were always going to come back to this place and they were always going to have to go through this as a family and and some of them were going to survive it and some of them weren't. Like it was preordained. It was a destiny, Um, which I I really liked because it doesn't, it makes it more, like the less random it is, the more frightening it is. It's like, oh, they were doomed. If it wasn't this, it'd be something else. Yeah. Like, I mean, like the argument is, or like not the argument, but the evidence to support that is... Is the wallpaper scene? Is the wallpaper scene where, where like the mom blames Nell for writing something on the wall, and it's, you know, she didn't do it, and Theo says that she didn't do it because of her force sensitiveness, for lack of a yeah. better term, um, but she did. She didn't. It's the house that says Nell comes home, and it's there when she's a kid, and it's it's there when when she goes in for the last time. Mm. And yeah, it seems like all of this was you couldn't course correct at any point. Like it was always going to end up here. Like as soon as Steven sees that ghost at the end of the first episode, like they, like the adult selves are on a on a on a path. Like they're on a course to 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 have to deal with it. Um, and it's only after that you realize that that ghost is Nell as well. Um, and just the. Yeah, the, 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 the self-haunting part of this is what really got me. Like, I don't know what Blythe Manor's like. I know it's not a direct sequel to this and it's everybody's British and all that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a different thing. But, um, which is funny because it sounds more British, doesn't it? Oh, Blythe Manor. Oh, hello. Do you have to come here from tea? Crumpies. What do people eat in the UK? Have TikTok. Which is a biscuit. What? Before TikTok. Before TikTok was a fucking social media video sharing application. It was a biscuit. And they were fucking delicious. All right. Um, and I think the UK UK folks enjoy them. Or they enjoy... One of those... Oh, Jaffa Cakes. Just get me come around and have yeah. a cup of tea and Jaffa Cakes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't know who I was then. Just slipped into some British dude. But yeah, it's... 
I, I don't know what what that show is, um, but if it's if it's half as emotionally sophisticated with the material as as Hill House is, like, do you, have you seen it? Yeah, I've I've seen all of them. Of course, of course you have. Is it, is it very very good? It is. It's all. It's um. It's not what you expect. What well, neither was this. Yeah, but this, I thought it was just going to be a haunted house shits. Yeah, but this had the bits of the haunted house, right? Hmm. Well, it's it, that's not the case in, in Bly Manor. Is in Bly Manor, it's like all builds up to everybody gets together and has a banana nude, and everybody takes their clothes off and they just eat bananas. Surprisingly, yeah. Oh man, I can't. Why don't they call it the the, the haunting of Banana Manor? Because <laughs> Banana well. Manor is hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> Rig, I'm going to banana na 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 na. Fuck, I'm going to banana na 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 ma. I'm going to banana na 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 ma ba ba ba. Like, <laughs> fuck! I can't say it. It's like that old Billy Connolly joke where the guy goes into a shop and he goes, "I'll have a roll of linoleum, thank you." A what? A roll of linoleum. A Roman and only one. A roll of linoleum. A roll of linoleum. I oh, was just give us a fucking carpet. Like, it's a good gag. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to watch Blythe Manor um, because, uh, but I have to. I, I had to skip over and go to Midnight Mass because we're actually going to be talking about it. Um, thinking about it in terms of its, what are you laughing? Are you still laughing at the linoleum thing? Or my dumb ass talking about banana mama 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 banana manor. Every time you do that, I have a flashback of you. You were just mispronouncing Danny Bloom's name. <laughs> <laughs> from episode four or whatever the fuck it was we have good we have good times um silliness incredible silliness everybody in in terms of its themes you know it's like again we're talking about everybody kind of gets their own it's acceptance it's 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 um sobriety and recovery it's um you know uh like patriarchal stuff that's you know outdated and 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 then there's matriarchal stuff as well and and you know growth and rebirth and death and there's just so much going on what was it that spoke to you the most like give me as far as a theme like what did you go yes i understand this because for me it was it was theo of of being i mean she's an empath but in 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 an extreme way and and i I can relate to that. You know, you feel people's feelings and, and you're very sensitive to that. And it can be a lot sometimes. Um, and, and and people will seek you out as well, um, the way that they do her. Um, and she has that beautiful, complicated relationship with the with the gorgeous um, uh, uh, actress who, who plays kind of like, not a girlfriend, but the woman she meets in the bar and then ignores and, you know, then sort of comes back to like, and she just says, touch me at the end of that thing. Your light just went off again. Get a new globe. My goodness. Every episode. Um, yeah, she just says, touch me, you know, at the end of it. Because that's the thing that she's avoided her whole life. Like, I, I understand that that theme. The theme of wanting so badly to be connected. But then every time you open that door, it's a flood. Um, for you, what? How, how did you, you... It's very moody, the lighting now. You look kind of like shit and he's a ghost or a villain or a poltergism and he's gonna have a banana <laughs> oh no he's gone to banana man no, no, no. <laughs> fuck i'm trying to be serious right was- what theme was it that spoke to you the most oh as in like what character 
No, what theme? Like, I'm just saying Theo's theme of, of, of um, like, acceptance, you know, accepting herself and, and stepping into her power. That That's kind of what spoke to me the most about it. Um, what, how did you, like, what particular theme? It can be based on a character's experience, whatever. I think the whole arc of, like, going from, going from being in denial to acceptance with uh, Stephen's arc, where he's just mm-hmm. in denial of everything to a point at the end where, he he understands what happened. Yep. Right, but as as a character, I I I don't have that background. But Luke Luke is the is the character that I come back for the most. And is that because he's like dealing with things in real time and not to make not making the right choices sometimes, but then ultimately, um, you know, being the best version of himself. Yeah, like yeah, all all, all of that, all that that comes comes with that character. Yeah, he he's particularly strong because it's so it's so well drawn. Like they've all given him so much of a chance, and 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 he's willing to just keep falling um, until he isn't, and it and it costs the death of his twin, you know, for for that to actually happen for him to 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 straighten up, which is what happens. You know, you got to hit rock bottom when you when you're a uh, when you're an addict. That's it's kind of it's kind of par for the course, you know. Um, Cool. Well, let's let's just have a little think about. I can't remember the dialogue that well. Like I, I remember sections and things like that. What What are your three favorite moments that kind of happened? Oh, in, in okay. So let's do that. But before that, I want to ask you one thing. Sure. Did you think? Wow, this is actually very funny. I take all my clothes off and then I eat the banana. Is that what you were going to ask? <laughs> banana nude. Copyright rigs. sorry ridiculous right okay so Mm -hmm. (laughs) did you think abigail was real or imaginary i thought she was real it was too i thought it was too much of a lead but kind of was because by the end of it she is yeah i know but i i just thought well now that's too easy but they managed to sort of circle back and it was it was kind of it made more sense I don't know why. Yeah, I I I thought it was it was imagination because also like he has the he has the ghost of the hatman following him around, which is it is terrifying. It's terrifying. I think what's what's like the biggest scare that you got, except for like the cats. It was it was the um the 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 the, the hatman leaning down in Stephen's okay. face and him saying look at me just look at me like that being that close up and close with with the 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 otherworldly is pretty terrifying um that's actually one of my favorite moments as well like if we're doing like top three that's that's probably my number one because it just shook me yeah it also goes to the point of if you give something power it, it has power over you absolutely absolutely yeah the whole all of it is about that because that's all they do in that house because it's so poisonous and it's not until they get out of it that they can kind of start dealing with it and some of them don't deal with it very well. You know, they become get into using using drugs and alcohol and all that stuff, you know. Powerful, powerful show. So, yeah, what's, what's, your, what's your top three, like, favourite moments? It can be a piece of dialogue or it could be, you know, an episode, something that happens throughout, like a... A story arc or it can be a specific moment because i've got specific moments that stick out in my head yeah 
Um, and this is not in like the top three, but the one that got me the most, the only time is uh, this show like actually fucking scared me, was in episode nine where, where Theo and Shirley are going to Hill House and they're fighting, and Nell like pushes the barriers of time and space and just screams at them in the car. Mm. I was watching it on my phone at three a.m. at night, like the first time I watched it. I was watching it on my phone. It was all dark. And that happened and I threw my phone. <laughs> Immediate diarrhea. Just that was it. You're like, ah, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> I did the same thing once playing um, the, the game Resident Evil. You know that video game? I, I would have been maybe 15 or 16, I guess. It was the first version of that on PlayStation. And me and my friend had been playing it for hours and it was probably you know five or six in the morning and we'd been up all night you know eating lollies and drinking coffee and stuff because we were teenagers and we hadn't seen a zombie in fucking forever like it, we'd, we'd just been walking around this goddamn house with with you know fucking not a zombie to be to be seen and then all of a sudden these zombie hands bust through a boarded up window and grabbed us i threw the remote in the air and dived under my bed and 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 the guy who i was hanging out with my friend he screamed in a way that he has not screamed like since or or, or, or before. Um, and we literally had to stop doing it. We saved the game and watched cartoons to calm down because it was too much. So I totally understand what you're saying, my friend. There's a few jump moments when I went and saw The Shining the other night too. I've seen that movie a hundred times. When Jack rounds that corner and sticks a fucking axe in, in, in um, what's his name's chest and screams, Dick Halloran's chest, fucking hell. You can't help it. These things are affecting. Yeah, that's so. If that's not, if that's not, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, that's the one death in The Shining that I wasn't like prepared for. It's the only death, <laughs> apart from Jack. It's he's the only person who dies in that whole movie. The rest of it's all ghost. True. Shit. Yeah. I'll- and there's an argument that um, I mean, we'll talk about it when we talk about the, the The Shining next week. But my business partner Dan loves that movie, and he makes the argument that all of it's in Jack's head. I'm like, well, that doesn't work because a lot of it is seen by. Um, Jack's wife and and uh, Danny and Danny as well, but there's an argument for it. We'll, we'll talk about that next week. But what? Okay, so if that was one of them, what are the other three? Silence, list steady on the stone on the wooden stone of Hill House, and whoever walks there walks together. At yeah. the end, really great, really great adaptation yeah. of, of of the original lines. Yeah, that's that's the only word that Flanagan changed from the actual book. Mm. Is instead of. Like in in the beginning, we open with the same passage where it's alone, and by the end of it, it's mm. together, and he changes it from together to alone, from alone yeah. to together. Because it, it's the the story is about the family, not about the house. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And uh, I guess the other one would be, it's hard, man, because like it's all filled with just so much stuff. It's hard talking about a series, you know, because it's just the, it's so dense. There's so much going on. Yeah, especially this one. Yeah, in particular. But I just I love Nell's last speech because there's there's no like there's some sort of beautifulness in like what she's found after death. Mm. Like, you know, they they're all trapped in their room and she saves them, and then she explains what she's experiencing, which is. She's just there floating in, in what her perception of time is now that she's out of it. Right? And it's, mm. and you know, they all apologize to her and she says, there's no need to apologize. 
you loved me and I loved you and the rest is confetti. Yeah. It's just Yeah. Yeah. I think the most heartbreaking moment for me would is probably how Nell's death is shown. It's because it, it was it was just everything she wanted. And mm. just it's it goes from being so sweet to horrific in a switch. Well that's that's the the, the nature of tragedy. It's an, it never you never know when it's come gonna come calling. One we got one more? I I think that's all. That's all? That's fair enough. Um, yeah, that's p- p- particularly good. Mine are more moments of, of things that I felt like that I'm not going to forget. One is the hat man leaning down in Stephen's face and the dad saying, look at me. Don't look at it. Look at me. That was really, really affecting. Um, when you found out that the red room was um, experiential, that was different for everybody. And then you see the, the playback of that, like who was at the door? It was them trying to get in and... and, and um, uh, uh, um, Theo was in there with her workout tape. Um, you know that was that was pretty powerful to me. And um, and again for Theo, it was the end of the episode where you found out that she is like um a physical empath. Um, and and you've seen her deal with that as a child and, and as an adult throughout that entire episode. And then at the end, she asks her lover to touch her. Um what what surrender uh you know which is which is really the key to to understanding and 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 not controlling because controlling is the wrong word it sounds too mechanical but um accepting yourself is surrender um and that's the whole thing is 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 that like they're all trying to be these versions of themselves that were decimated as children because of what they went through they couldn't develop properly, and for her to do that, to be like, "No, I, I am this. I own this. Um, this is who I, I choose to be, not who I am damned to be." Like, it's a really powerful moment, and and she's such a wonderful actress too. I'm, I'm not sure of her name, but, um, yeah, that 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 was the one that spoke to me a lot. So, but yeah, that's uh, that's the haunting of Hill House, everybody. Um, we do so love it. Go and check it out. I'm gonna. It's gonna be a, a an every October thing for me now. I had to watch it a little earlier than that because um, uh, we had we had to do this episode. But yeah, I'm, it's definitely gonna be something I go back to. I'll, I'll finish Midnight Mass and then do Blythe Manor and and Usher and then probably start at the start at the top again. So please, if you've got Netflix, fucking get into it. Or maybe Addy will have a pirate version again. I don't. Give that to you. I don't. Then you can't pirate off Netflix. They'll fucking come for you, mate. Don't even worry about it. Share your password. Fuck off. We're going to send fucking SWAT teams to your house. Hot, 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 and we'll turn up and be like, are you sharing your password? Because we're Netflix. I don't have a Netflix voice either. It's I've got Disney. Oh, good. yeah, no, you're not allowed to do any other impressions. Why is that at Disney Plus? Because you don't have that many voices in your bag, Riggs. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix could be Swedish. Netflix could be Swedish. And Bruce Gangini. I'm a Netflix. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense at all. Why would it be Swedish? <sighs> do we have any questions this week, Addy? We do. Wonderful. <laughs> Why the fuck is Netflix Swedish? <laughs> that wasn't a Swedish accent, though. Wasn't it? There you go. That was me doing my approximation of it because I watched the Muppets too much for crying out loud. 
It's going to come off well, as offensive. It was more Jamaican than fucking Swedish. <laughs> <laughs> AB Netflix. <laughs> Q&A. Yes. We're ready. What's question one? If my father... If my... Wow. If my flannelan... And <laughs> if Mike Flanagan, if my Flanagan could do a one-off live-action standalone comic book adaptation, what would you like to see? Well, he wants to do Clayface because he said that on the Script Apart podcast, which is a pretty good idea. But he, I reckon he'd be, he could do the question. Mm-hmm. I've been pushing the question for a year. It's perfect. It is absolutely perfect. It's so, it's all about like Zen Buddhism and, and um, you know, spirituality. Um, and it's, you know, about a, a character who has a faceless mask that he wears and he fucking kung fu kicks the shit out of people. And there's demons and like, you know, like organized crime. And it's, it's it would be perfect do it as a series. It was a eight or ten episode series. It would fucking slap. I have two actually. This one he mentioned as well as the Justice League Dark. Yeah, he'd be great. Perfect, perfect for that. Or like this is one that I've been pushing for fucking generations, but nobody listens to it. Which is a- for generations, huh? Yeah. See, I am the immortal one. <laughs> uh, of course, yes, you are Blood Axe and Baby Blood Axe. Um, I'm assuming that character is immortal. I haven't seen the picture yet. What's the other one? <laughs> it's not coming out either, is it? What? <laughs> Fucking Rebel Moon. It must be. It must be. Come on. Oh, God, it's December. It's going to come out in December. Is it? We're, we're doing episodes on it. Fuck everybody. We've got to do it. Yeah. Got to talk about the moon. Um, um, yeah, so either Justice League Dark or Standalone Zatanna film. Yeah, Zatanna would be great because she deals with the, the you know spiritual realms and all that kind of stuff. Like it's just going to go from ghosts to being other dimensional shit. Which he could do fucking well too. He's got the visual pedigree as well. Like he's not completely married to computer generated stuff and whatever. Like he's a still still a practical filmmaker, um, which is kind of what these movies need to to start being because it's all just becoming a, a wash of cartoons. A really bad joke. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> Okay, never mind. That's all right. That's 90% of what comes out of my mouth. Uh, question number two. Um, your favorite director wants you to play a character in a horror film. Write your death scene. I've already written mine, though. It's, 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 it's in the history of the show. Death by shitting. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, I think I would like to be thrown out of a window. Defenestrated would be pretty cool. Just pitched out of a window like fucking the comedian at the beginning of Watchmen. Slow-mo. Or like or like the evil Doctor Strange with the three eyes in Multiverse of Madness. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that'd be good. Just a, a good old fashioned defenestrate and, and I'm 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 game. See, I don't want it to be my death scene. I just that's like it's my ghost haunting a farm and I'm just shitting all over it. <laughs> Wait a sec. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Why? Why? I have so many questions. Oh my goodness! This is a whole other show. Get ready for an extended, extended show, everyone. I, I understand. Okay, so you're just shitting everywhere, and that's that's you being a ghost and doing malice and shit. Why are you on a farm? Just open fields and cool air breeze and shit. 
You're a ghost. It doesn't matter. <laughs> How the fuck do you know? I yeah. Okay, that's true. That's a that's a really good argument. I don't know what it's like to be a ghost. So um, you're totally right. But if you're shitting out in the fields, they're not going to know any. And if it's ghost shit, can they even see it? No, but it's it's my shit. It matters to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least your ghost self has priorities. Oh, fantastic. Um, is there another question that isn't about ghost fecal matter? I reckon that'd just be like fucking fertilizer, though. <laughs> right? Yeah. Or maybe they don't know. Maybe they can't see it. They can smell it. Like, this farm smells like shit. Like human shit. Not a normal farm smell of like where it's just animals and cows and horses and shit. Like, this smells like a toilet here. Let's not buy it. You put on farm. You put on night vision glasses. It's just me just fucking. <laughs> <laughs> and then you notice you've them watching you, and you stand up really quickly and jolt off with diarrhea flinging out of the back of you. Uh, nah, I just with the power of all the mighty shit that I have, I just fly away. Right. Wow, this is getting more and more complex as time goes on. There's an anime that's exactly this story. I'm positive of it. Um, it's not even 10 a.m. yet. What the fuck? I know. I know. I just after lunchtime myself. This is crazy. All right. Last What's one. the next question? Last question. Uh, most devastating moment in the show. Uh, finding out now discovering that she herself was haunting herself. I was like, holy shit. That is... Because at first I was like, doesn't that take the teeth out of so much of it? And they're like, no, it doesn't at all. It's like, it is such a weird cycle now. Like, yeah, that was, that got me. Yeah. That since it was supposed to happen, it was, it was, it was her future reaching out to her. For me. Horrific. Yeah. For me, it's related to that too. It's, it's Luke feeling everything that, that Mel's feeling while she dies. Mm. It's just, I'm cold and I'm stiff and I can't move. Yeah. Mm. Oh, man. Just and is that because of their spiritual connection or because they're twins? Like, there's no explanation. It's just yeah. like this is happening because, like, what, like, what happens when that connection that you've had for the entirety of your life is just gone? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like the 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 loss of part of yourself in a huge way. Um, yeah, horrendous. Check, check it out, everyone. Yeah, check it out. <laughs> if you want to be miserable, do it. There's still a good chunk of October left. Go and check it out. Can't be missed. Can't be missed. Yeah. Well, that's it. We're all done. That's 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 another one down for the Flanagan Fright Fest. We'll be back uh, next week or the week after with um, Shining Happy People, our episode on The Shining, uh, which we know isn't a Mike Flanagan picture, but it's uh, kind of pertinent considering that we did Doctor Sleep. And then we'll come back and do... Midnight Mass, early November, I think, probably. Um, I'm only just started watching it now, but I'm excited. It's a good time. I can't wait to get into the rest of it. Addy, you're beautiful. You're wonderful. I cherish you. You're amazing. You're amazing also. Um, thank you so much for for pointing me in the direction of this. I'm so glad that you're like, hey, can we do this this series on Mike Flanagan? just means you have to watch you know, Hill House because I am, I'm a better person for having seen it. So thank you very much. That's my win. It is. That's that's another t- a tick in your column, my friend. Everybody out there, be beautiful and remember: stay amazing, stay safe, and the rest is confetti. Oh, yeah.